Praise the Lord, church. I don't know if I'll keep it to 20 minutes, but I'll definitely pause for Sister Jamie tonight, today. I'm used to preaching on Tuesday night, sorry. Yes. Go for it. Praise the Lord. We know that God, God never said that we weren't going to go through tests and trials in this world. And, and he does those things to us to open our eyes and to show that he needs to get the glory. Uh, let's, give a, let's get a hand clap of praise today for Brother Paul and this worship team. Uh, they did an amazing job helping to usher in the presence of the Lord. You know, I talked to Sister Melissa before service and, you know, she called them the B team. And you know, they, they didn't seem like a B team. They brought their A game. And, you know, I, I said, it doesn't matter who's up here singing or, or what the songs are. You shouldn't be focusing on if somebody is singing the right words or somebody makes a mistake. It's about the worship. It's about ushering that presence of the Lord. So I'm so thankful for them today. And I, I'm thankful for this opportunity to, to share this word that the Lord gave uh, to me for his people today. Uh, I give honor to our pastor and his wife and their family uh, in their absence and, and a well-deserved vacation that they're on together. Uh, you know your church is, is going in the right direction when you can still feel your pastor's heartbeat in, in this place. And, and I'm so thankful, thankful for our pastor and his family. And, and I'm ready to share the word of God today. And, and I'm hoping that I have some people in this house who are ready to hear the word today. I hope I have some people that are ready to receive it. Somebody shout, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Amen. So if you didn't shout, I'm ready, you better, you better buckle up and get ready because the Lord's about to move in, the, in this place today. You better get ready because I came to tell each and every one of you under the sound of my voice that you are marked. You are marked. The title of my message today is Don't Miss your mark. Let's pray. Precious Jesus, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for this magnificent presence we already feel in your house today, God. Lord, I ask that you bless this word today. Bless this congregation. Open their ears, open their hearts, open their minds, Lord, to hear your word. Let these words that come out of my mouth be yours today, Lord. We thank you for everything you're doing for us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Musicians may go down, and you may be seated. I didn't come here this morning to check off a religious box or just to fill in to make myself look good today. I'm up here today on an assignment from the Lord, and the Lord has been, has been giving me this message for, for a long time, and I, I, I stayed up till 2.30 in the morning this morning perfecting this message and, and hearing from God so that I can get this to you, and I hope someone receives it 
today. Does anyone want to receive the word of the Lord today? Amen. So I'm up here today on an assignment to tell someone that you are marked by God. You are marked by God. And, and I know that might sound a little cliche, like, okay, I'm, I'm marked by God. But someone came into this place today discouraged. And the things of life have you questioning, did God really call me? Did God really call me? Is there more than this job that I'm working? Is there more than how our marriage is going? Is there more than this? And I came to tell you today, yep, there is. And, and God has marked you for his purpose. He's marked you for impact. He's marked you for destiny. He's anointed you and called you to more than anything you can even see right now. But you have to come to realize you have to come to realize this because the enemy has come to tell you stop. The enemy has come to tell you stop. Quit. You're too old. Maybe if you were in your 20s or your 30s, but what's God going to do with you in your 60s? I'm serious. Like, what is God going to do with you after the second bankruptcy? What is God going to do with you after the second marriage? Come on, somebody. There's some people in here. They denied me for the college I wanted to go to four times. How am I ever going to move on? And I came to tell you that no matter what the denial was, God still has you marked. God still has you marked. No matter what the trial is, God still has you marked. No matter what you are going through right now, you are still marked. I want somebody to shout it out with faith right now. Say, I'm marked. Amen. And I started to think about people in the Bible who, who were marked by God, anointed by God. And, and I started to think about David. And David was marked from a very young age. But there was a process to the palace. There was a process to his purpose or to his destiny. And many times that pesky enemy, that enemy wants to disrupt your process. Because what he cannot destroy, he distracts. What the enemy cannot destroy, he distracts. He can't destroy us, so he distracts us. And he gets you thinking, you know, maybe at one time you were on fire for God, and you knew he had called you, and then, well, that happened, and, and this happened, and now you're distracted, and you're looking for a validation, but God says, no, 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 come back. Today is a refocused day. Today is a refocus day. I need you to realize that before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I called you. I had a plan and a purpose for you. I've seen stuff that you ain't ever seen for yourself before. See, when you stop believing the lie, then you can believe the truth. And a lot of people try to believe the truth and the lie at the same time, but, but they don't work together. When you stop believing the lie, the truth automatically comes out. And the truth is that no matter what you've been through, you're still marked by God. And so now I'm going to get into the scripture. I know some of you are sitting there and thinking, this dude hasn't even touched the Bible yet. We're not even getting into scripture yet, but, but we're here. We're here now. Uh, and I'm going to take your attention uh, to the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 16. 1 Samuel in chapter 16, I'll give you a little, a little backstory as you're getting there. There was, there was a king named Saul, and, and he was once anointed. He was once marked by God. And a lot of people give Saul a bad rap, like 
he was just a bad guy from the beginning, but God called him. God called him until he started doing things his own way. And, and God lifted that anointing from him. And Samuel was a prophet at the time, and he saw, and he said, what happened? I anointed Saul. He, w- he was supposed to be the man, and God said, Samuel, stop crying over him. I'm anointing somebody else. I'm moving my anointing to somebody else. He's still going to be in leadership, but my anointing is taken from him. And can I just tell you today, this is a little extra. There could be people in leadership that aren't anointed. And you got to be careful about that. So he started doing things his own way, and, and he had to mark someone else. So God sent Samuel to Jesse's house, and, and this is where we're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 16 and verse 6. It says, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Isn't that good? Isn't that good that God doesn't judge you by your education? Or doesn't judge you by the number of Instagram followers you have or the number of zeros in your bank account? Look what he tells him. He says, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. That's good news for all of us today. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shema to pass by, and he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. At this point, Jesse's like, all my sons, failures. All my sons are failures. And then Jesse made seven of his sons pass Samuel, and he says, the Lord hath not chosen these. Verse 11, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. See, it's funny that his father doesn't even refer to him by his name. He doesn't even refer to him by his name. He he defined him by a characteristic that was unattractive. Like many times when you're marked, people look at you or they look at what you've done or or what you're doing and they try to sum you up as that's what you are. And and that's what you are. Oh, she's the one that's been divorced twice or, or he's the one going through bankruptcy. Like this is what people do. Not even calling him by his name, but describing what he's been through. But isn't it beautiful that God doesn't even care about that? Jesse said he's the one out there watching the sheep and the goats. And Samuel says unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And all the brothers right now, they're, they're like, dang, we can't eat. We can't eat yet. And, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all a beautiful countenance and godly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Amen. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. I want to tell you a, a quick funny story, if, if I may. Uh, it was my senior year in high school in I was playing at a huge uh, 
game for my baseball, my high school baseball team. And, and, and if we won this game, it would send us into the playoffs. Uh, and it's my senior year, so of course I wanted to make it to the playoffs. And, and I was up to bat in the bottom of the last inning, and we had the tying run on third base, and the r- winning run was on second base. And, and, and I'm nervous, and I'm sweating. We're playing at our home field in front of a huge crowd with a ton of people watching. So a pitch is thrown, and I foul the ball off of home plate. And it, it bounces directly up and hits me in a place that you do not want to get hit. Okay, so of course I'm not wearing the proper protective equipment at this point. So it took me a solid 10 minutes to recover from this. But, but on the very next pitch... I got the game-winning hit to send us into the playoffs. And and the Lord reminded me of this story to think about the hits of life that we don't see coming. There's hits in life that that we're never going to see coming, and there's nothing like that hit. There's nothing like that hit. That's the hit that that knocks you down. Just like a lot of people in this house right now, you've had a hit of life, and, and you didn't see it coming. And so it knocked you down. The bankruptcy, the breakup, the sickness, the frustrating coworker, it knocked you down. And many of you are in this place and you're sitting down and you're counting one, two, three, and you're wondering, should I even get up? Should I even get up? Should I even try again? And I came to tell you today that it's time to get up. It's time to get up. You are marked by God. The fight is not over, and God has a plan for your life. Somebody shout, I'm marked. I'm marked. I know there are some marked people in the house today, and I'm here to tell you that there are hits in life that you will not see coming. I know you want to hear that, that God is setting you up for a blessing, and he is. He absolutely is. But, but if you could be prepared for the hits of life that, that you don't see coming then you can defend yourself and be prepared for what's going to happen. Uh, and I'm going to pause right here because we're getting into, into a good part to pause. It, it's 12 o'clock. I know we wanted to uh, pray for Sister Jamie today. Um, if we can all stand to our feet right now. So if you would, just join us in prayer right now for, for Sister Jamie um, and, and her situation and for this family that I know is, is going through a tough time right now, let, let's just pray for God to, to give them mercy and, and healing and, and put it on their hearts and their minds that he is Lord and we need to give him the glory no matter what. Let's pray. Precious Jesus, we come before you, Lord God. Lord, Lord right now we come together, God, in prayer for this beautiful sister. Jane. Lord, we pray right now, Lord, that you touch her body, touch her soul, God. Lord, and provide the healing hand that only you can provide, Lord. Lord, the doctors can say one thing, God, but we know you're the ultimate doctor. You are the ultimate healer, Lord God. Lord, and we trust you, God, Lord, for what you're going to do, Lord. I pray for peace and a comfort that only you can provide today, Lord God, that only you can provide, Jesus. God, we love you today, right now, Lord God. Lord, we trust in what you're going to do. We trust in your plan, Lord God. And Lord, as she delivers this lady, Jesus, when you deliver this precious child, God, Lord, that you are going to be able to be the one, Jesus. Lord, you are the king, Jesus. Lord, we praise you right now, Lord God. We love you, God. Lord, we praise you, God. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for working, God. Father, we love you today. We praise you. We give all the glory, all the honor. 
In your mighty name, Jesus, and only you can do. Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Amen, amen. Thank you, church. Thank you. You may be seated. Continue to pray for Sister Jamie as as we go through these next few days. So we want to be prepared, and we want to defend ourselves for the hits of life that, that we don't see coming. So I want to give you all a few steps to protect yourself while remembering that you are marked. Remembering that you are marked by God. Are we ready? Now let's look at David. If you're marked, the first point is that you are approved in private. You are approved in private. And this one messes with people because we want to insta-story our elevation. Look at me, I'm behind the pulpit. I'm behind the pulpit. The anointing is covering me. No, it's not. See, because what God wants to do in your life cannot be put on display when it's in seed form. And this messes with our culture because we want everyone to know that we've been approved. We want everyone to know what God is doing in our lives. And God did speak to you at that conference. He did give you a revelation through that worship song in your car or whatever he did, but not everyone needs to know. God is intentionally approving you in private. Why? Because it's the easiest to kill something when it's an infant stage. And and a lot of people are putting out their dreams and visions or ideas when they're in baby stage, and people are coming to kill and stab and drown everything that God has called you to do. Just think about it. When, When they were scared of Jesus being born, the Messiah, what did they do? They killed all the males under the age of two because it's the easiest to kill a king in kid form. And I want to encourage you that just because everyone doesn't know doesn't mean you're not marked. David was not even invited to the party. They didn't even call for him. He must have seen the caravan coming because he was out in the field. He was the shepherd. He saw them, but they didn't invite him into the party, but he wasn't even trying to crash the party. He wasn't trying to crash that party. David was content with the last thing God told him, and that was spending time in the presence of God. And what happened then? They eventually sent for him. Eventually, they sent for David, and he gets in the room, and his brothers are standing there, probably hungry and jealous. Samuel says, you're marked, and he was approved in private, and he did not get to go tell everybody. What are you saying, Brother Chris? I'm saying there is someone in this place today who knows that God has called you to greater than what you are dealing with right now, but you are still marked even though nobody else knows it. And if you don't see that hit coming, you'll start doing things to try to allow people to know, and they will try to speak death into what God called to live. I'm telling you that you're marked. You might have family members that are saying, you ain't ever going to do anything. 
You're the same as your daddy or your granddaddy before him. It's time to tell those people to be quiet. I cannot deal with you anymore because I have been approved in private. Let me, under, let me help you understand. The Bible says over and over, and God was with David, and God was with David, and God was with David. And, and I began to ask God, why were you always with David? And God said, because David was always with me. See, most people want God to be with them, but they're not with him. And, and he's not going to intrude on your busy schedule you got to make room for him. He's a gentleman, though he stands at the door and knocks. You have to let him in. And God is saying to us today, if you would just do the last thing that I told you to do and spend time in my presence, I will approve you in private. See, if you're marked, let me give you the second thing. You will be anointed before you're positioned. You will be anointed before you are positioned. Now, imagine this picture with me. David goes into this room. Samuel anoints him. He marks him and says, you will be the next king of Israel. For most of us, we would be looking to go to the palace with Samuel right then and there. But, but where was David's next move? Where was David's next move? Back to the pasture. Back out to the pasture because he was anointed before he ever got the position. And most of us feel like, no, no, I'm anointed, so now it's time for me to be on the platform. I'm anointed, so it's time for me to be the CEO. I'm anointed. You just said I'm going to be the next king of Israel. Let's go. Like, we're trying to do it at the moment, but what God is saying is I'm going to send you back into your sphere of influence that you came from to make a difference there. So he's anointed the future king of Israel, but has to go back to the sheep and goats. Sounds kind of like where most of us are going Tuesday morning. I say Tuesday because tomorrow's a holiday. I don't know if anybody's working. I'm sorry if you are. But. And God says, will you make a difference there? Can, I, can you be a light in darkness at that school? Will you be my representative on that job site? Will you make a difference in that hospital? And most of us don't see that hit coming. God, I'm anointed, right? Yeah, now go get with the sheep. Keep serving in children's church. But, but I'm anointed. I got songs in me. I'm anointed. Breaking bread needs to hear my songs. It'll happen in time, but go keep serving the kids. Why? Because what God wants to do in your life, he wants to get the glory for. So we need to consider... We need to consider how we're waiting. We need to consider how we're waiting for those things. We're we're waiting on the Lord, but I I feel like most of us wait kind of impatiently. But we need to say, I'm waiting on you, Lord, at your service, at your service. Where can you use me? Because at that point, it's a heart check. God is giving you a heart check at that point. And God says, "Can can I mark you and send you into a place that doesn't look like where you're going to be? And that's the battle because many times our expectation and our experience don't match up. I'm supposed to be the boss. And, and I'm supposed to be able to give people money, but, but I'm looking at all this debt and God says, I'm the miracle worker. I need your obedience. And I want someone in here to realize that if you're marked, you're going to be anointed before your position. God is looking for a heart posture, not a plan from you. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's coming for you. You're marked. It's coming for you. Let me, let me give you another point. If you're marked, you will become the answer to a problem. You will become the answer to a problem. See, David goes back to the field, doing the last thing that God told him to do and spending time in his presence. I want you to see how pivotal this is because I hear people say all the time, including myself, what, what am I supposed to do when, when I just don't know what to do? What do, what do I say when, when I don't know what to do? I just don't know. Do the last thing you know that God told you to do and spend time in his presence. That's what David did. He didn't have a GPS or a map to his purpose. He was just doing the last thing, and watch what happens. He becomes the answer to a problem. See, Saul is now being tormented by evil spirits in the palace. And you just have to read 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, 14 through 18. Uh, you just got to read the whole thing. I don't have time for that. But, but Saul is being tormented by evil spirits in the palace. And, and one of his assistants says, we should get a guitar player or a skilled musician to torment these evil spirits. And, and one of the guys was like, well, do you know anyone? And he was like, yeah, Jesse has a boy named David. And, and he's out there in the field all the time, like, Shredding on the guitar, right? And, and so I think we can get him. And now watch, David did not fill out an application to go to the palace. He did not use connections to get to the palace because he was doing the last thing that God told him and spending time in his presence and perfecting what was in his hands. Do you understand what I'm saying? They sent for him. They sent for him. When you're doing whatever it is that God told you to do, you will never have to vie for your position. They will send for you. They sent for David. And I want you to see this because David did not come to the palace with nothing. He came as the answer to a problem. And some of us are sitting here so deficient in skills that God gave us, we don't even want to work on it anymore. If he didn't play, he wouldn't have been invited to the palace, but in the pasture, he was working on what was in his hands. And he went to the palace. Now watch, the place that he already knew that he was called to be in, he didn't go as a king or a prince. He went as a servant. God will allow you to taste your future, not as a person of interest, but as somebody to serve. And many times we get frustrated because we know we're marked, we're, we're supposed to be on this platform, and we're supposed to go to this height, and we're supposed to be there, and God says, yeah, and I want you to go there, and I want you to serve somebody. I want you to serve somebody. You're, you're, not, gonna, you're not gonna get the mic, you're not gonna be in the meetings, and, and the thing is, this platform is just a raised position of what I would be down here. It's just a raised position of what I would do down here. If you don't do what God wants you to do down here, he's not going to allow you to be up there. If you're not nice down here, God's not going to allow you to be nice up there. If you don't love, come on somebody, if you don't love down here, God's not going to allow you to love up there. Amen. 
So God is telling you, I need you to be there wherever you are and be the answer to a problem. Some of us need to get out and serve people and ask for nothing. There's no connections in this. It's because God is making and molding your heart right now. I don't need your approval because I was approved in private. I don't need your title or your position because I'm anointed before I'm positioned. And what am I doing right now? I'm becoming the answer to a problem. And can I tell you that David was qualified because he tormented what tormented his leader. He tormented what tormented his leader. You want to go to another level? Find someone that you call a leader and torment what torments them. And God says, that's the heart that I'm looking for. Children, high school students, torment what torments your parents. Those dishes are always dirty. They're always dirty. I know, I hate it too. But make up in your mind that any time that you see a dish, I'm going to torment what torments my single mom trying to raise three kids and work two jobs and watch what God's going to do in your life. That boss that you do not like and does not like you. Come on, somebody. I want you to ask them when you go back to work, what is your biggest challenge? And don't ask for a pay raise because God is trying to work on your heart. So if you're marked, you're going to be the answer to a problem. Let me give you another point. When you're marked, your opportunity is going to be wrapped in obedience. Your opportunity is going to be wrapped in obedience. See, see, David is, is tormenting all of Saul's enemies, and, and he's got dual duty. He's humble enough to be working in the palace, serving, but still coming back and helping his father with the sheep. And remember, I told you, you you'll be sent for. So, so one day David comes to his dad because humility is a big thing to God, and humility is a big thing to David. And he, and he comes to his dad's, and, and he, Jesse says, your brothers are off at war right now. Could, could you take them some grilled cheese sandwiches? Can you, can you bring some grilled cheese sandwiches out there to them and to the captains? And for some of us, we would fail that test. Because I would be like, hey, Dad, you already know I play at the palace. I, I play at the palace. I'm, I don't, you want me to be Uber Eats for my brothers? I don't think so. Get out of here. Get somebody else to do it. But, but David was lowly in spirit. And he said, I could still have a position or a platform that people look at, but I'll still do what I used to do. And see, sometimes we, we see us going back and, and doing things that we used to do as regressing but sometimes it's a test to see if you still have the humility that you once had. You used to kneel down at this altar and flood it with tears, but now you're too good for that. You used to serve in soup kitchens, but now you can't stand the way that people eat. And, and you might say, but God goes from glory to glory to glory, but you've been at the same level. Maybe it's because you won't go back and do the things that you once did for God. And David shows us that his opportunity is wrapped in obedience. What am I saying? If David would not have been obedient to his father to go and take those grilled cheese sandwiches to his brothers, he would have never met Goliath. He would have never met his opportunity for elevation. 
He would have been at that palace playing the guitar, thinking God was using him, but his purpose was wrapped up in some other place. And how many things are you missing because you won't obey God? It, it doesn't even make sense. He could tell you to, to keep visiting someone, and, and you say, I don't even like that person. And God said, you're missing it. It's not about the person. It's about your obedience. Well, Brother Chris, God, God keeps telling me to go to nursing school, but I don't even like blood. Your future husband is there. That's what God is trying to tell you. Somebody's Googling nursing schools right now. I feel it. But, but see, obedience is not about the other person. It's about God getting your heart. And your next opportunity is wrapped in your obedience. David started in the pasture, and he knew he was going to end up in the palace, but there was a process. So when you're marked and you're going through this process, let me give you the next point. You are elevated through obstacles. You are elevated through obstacles. And, and this, is, this is the one that takes most people out. This is by far the one that takes most people out. Because we're taught in, in Western culture, when, when we see an obstacle, retreat. It's time to retreat. And, and that's what the entire army of the nation of Israel was doing when they saw Goliath. D- David is delivering these sandwiches, and he sees the whole army out there, and he sees Goliath is there 40 days talking about God, and the whole Israelite army is frozen. This giant is talking about our God, and, and David walks up with their sandwiches, and, and he's like, here, bro, who was that? Who? What did he say? What did he say? And they're like, yeah, he's been doing that for 40 days. And he's like, and you haven't done anything about it? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That was insults back in the day. It would almost be censored. Who was this beep? Like, those were insults back in the day. But David is like, I'm not about to sit here and listen to this guy defy my God. So where thousands took a step back because they saw an obstacle, David took a step forward because he saw an opportunity. Obstacles and opportunities are almost the same depending on who's on your side. Depending on who's on your side. So when God's on your side and the doctor gives you a diagnosis of cancer, that's the opportunity that God says, step forward. I'm about to be your healer. I'm going to be the one who gets the glory out of this. When debt is in front of you, God says, don't retreat. Step forward. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the provider. I will meet every one of your needs. Oh, I feel someone getting excited in this house today. I will supply all your needs because your obstacle is no longer an obstacle because if God is for you, who could be against you? Somebody shout, I'm Mark. Give him some praise in this house today. Thank you, Jesus. Step towards it. Step towards it. No longer an obstacle because you're marked. We step towards it because we know who's on our side. And and so now David is now sitting here looking at what everyone calls an obstacle 
and he sees an opportunity. Now, why does David see an opportunity? It's because when David was in the pasture and nobody was looking, God taught him some things behind closed doors. God's gonna, gonna teach you some things behind closed doors. And David said, I'm gonna take out Goliath. I'm gonna take him out. And Saul says, you're just a boy. You can't do this. And David's like, that's funny. That, that's crazy. Your army isn't doing anything. So, so what you don't know about me is when nobody was looking, when there was no Insta stories or no website, and when nobody knew who I was, a bear came. And I was in the pasture, forgotten. Nobody invited me to the party, but the Lord taught me how to do some crazy stuff with a slingshot and some rocks. And then a lion came, and they thought I was, it was going to take me out, but I was just getting prepared. This is the first time you are all going to see it, but this is a rerun for me because God has taught me some stuff when nobody was looking. When I was in the pasture, he taught me how to take what I had and do something with it. And I'm telling somebody today that you don't need everybody to see it, but at some point it will be televised and God will get the glory because of what he taught you in the pasture. See, that's what you, you got to realize when, when you're elevated through obstacles He's not going to put something new in front of you, in front of everybody else. That's why you have to stew over what you have now, like everybody's watching. Because God is saying, one day, I'm going to need you to do this in front of everybody. And you can't flinch. You got to be so sure about what I've given you, because nobody else will do it. Nobody else is going to do it. I need you to do it. You may be the first person in your family to walk in purity. You may be the first person in your family to walk in purity, and they're going to tell you you can't do it. And he's telling you, I've been teaching you this on the backside of the mountain. When Thomas came, he was the bear. And when Anthony came, he was the lion, and you stayed strong through it all. What am I saying? You can't flinch when it comes to the big stage. So when you're marked... Let me give you this next one. You must be you. You must be you. So, okay, wow, okay. God, I'm, I'm approved in private. I got that. I'm anointed before I'm positioned, so, so I'm going to be content with where I'm, at, where I'm at right now. And I'm actually going to work on my skills so I can solve some problems. And then I understand that my next opportunity is wrapped in obedience, so I just need to listen to what you're saying because I'm spending time with you. And then, okay, I got it. I'm going to face some obstacles. I know I'm going to face some obstacles, but those obstacles aren't really obstacles that are there to take me out. They're there to elevate me. So I just step towards them, and you're on my side. And then you're telling me I got to be me? Like, when they tried to put Saul's armor on David, it didn't fit yet. It didn't fit. One day it would fit. One day he would be the king, but it didn't fit yet. And God didn't expect David to be what he wasn't to defeat Goliath. He said, I'm going to use you how you are. Pick up the slingshot and the five smooth stones. That's what you know. That's what I want to break in somebody's mind that you got to be. I want to break in somebody's mind that 
that you had to be like somebody else. Sister Peg touched on it in her opening with her, with her wig that got us all, you know. So you don't got to be like someone else or dress like somebody or, or be something else. God says, I made you with your weak humor and your funny accents. He said, I'm going to use all of that. But you can't conform to others. Only you can be you. No one else can unlock what God has in store for you on this earth. You got to be you. And the last point, you got to have the audacity to honor. You have to have the audacity to honor. And, And this one hurts a little because this means that you have to do like David did because he defeats Goliath and, and he cuts off his head and, and now David has a fan base, right? He's got a following now. He didn't have that before and, and one day this, this fan base made a song like, David slayed 10,000, Saul 1,000, right? So he had a song about him and Saul got jealous and, and for decades plus he starts trying to kill the person who won victories for him. What does this say to you that, that many times the people that you've been fighting for and the relationships you've been fighting for and the things that you've been trying to keep together, at some point, if they turn on you, know that you're in good company. If those people turn on you, if those things turn on you, you're in good company. That's good to know. It hurts, and it, and it feels like you have to go on the run, but but this is one of those hits that we talked about earlier. See, if you don't see this coming, your bestie will take you out of the game. I thought you believed in me, and they walk away. And then you think, well, maybe God didn't call me. No, 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 you're marked. You're marked. God has a call on your life before you were formed in your mother's womb. He wants to get all of that out of you. But then what do you do when you have the opportunity to tell that person's dirty laundry? What do you do when you have that opportunity to throw your bestie under the bus and gossip and somebody calls you for for a job reference for them, you have to have the audacity to honor. David did not use what he knew about Saul to take him out. There's a specific story that tells that uh, David was in a cave and, and Saul was out uh, relieving himself and, and David's guys were like, hey, there's Saul right there. And they said, kill him. Go kill him. There's your chance. And, and he went over because it sounded like a good idea. It always sounds like a good idea at the time to get revenge, right? It sounded, it sounds like a good idea. And he, he gets close enough to kill Saul but he just cuts off a piece of his robe. He cuts off a piece of his robe. And, and this is what it says in 1 Samuel 24 and 6. It says, And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed. Until God moves Saul, or until God moves your boss, or our president, until God moves them, they are still your leader. God is working on them for their actions, but you will disqualify yourself before God if you do not have the audacity to honor. 
Stand with me all over this house as the musicians come. I'm passionate about this word today because this is something that we're all living right now. Somebody's in here and you know that you're marked by God. But life has come to hit you. Life has got you at a point where you're knocked down. But you got to see those hits coming. Mom, I didn't see that hit coming when you got sick four years ago. I didn't see that hit coming. But look where God has brought us to now. Somebody better hear me in this place today. You better hear me that God is the one that is over your elevation. You are marked, you are called, you are chosen, you are anointed, but will you let God do it? God is no respecter of persons that if you will go through this process of allowing God to do this thing, he will do things that nobody will believe, and he gets all the glory. If you are ready today to start this process, if you know that you're marked, if you know that God is going to do it in your life, I want you to get up out of that seat today, and I want you to come to this front of the church and begin to call out to God. And show him that you're ready. There's a process to the palace. You don't want to miss your mark today. Now is your chance to come and show God that you know he's at the forefront of your anointing. Even if you don't know what to do. Even if you don't know what to say. You've never been to this altar. You don't, you don't know what to do. I want you to come up here and just be in his presence today. Just come up here and be in his presence. There are people in the church that are marked, that are anointed, and they'll know the words to say for you. God will give them the words. God will give you the words. But you gotta come up here today. These altars are open. Would you join us up here today?